Hi there, Selena Kulkarni here with another episode of the Alternative Investing Podcast. My mission is to help business owners build high performance wealth that delivers reliable, predictable cash flow through unconventional strategies so they can fast track their path to financial freedom. Each week I share with you the strategies, expert interviews and real people's stories around the topic of wealth and financial freedom. And if you're a business owner who wants to learn more about financial freedom through alternative methods, please head over to my website, freedomwarrior.com.au, where you can access my library of articles, interviews and programs to help you on your way to becoming more financially free. All right, gang, today what I really want to do is unpack for you a concept that I call the velocity of money. And I want to explain to you why it is absolutely critical in the context of speeding up the results that you get with your investing. So I recently ran uh, my mastermind here in Canberra as a live event. And first of all, it was so good to be back to doing events in the flesh where you know, you get to break bread and sit with people who are doing the same sorts of deals that you are, who are on the same bus, who are heading in the same direction. And the theme for this intensive was the velocity of money. Funnily enough, how I chose the theme for this particular intensive was after reading a book called Shoe Dog, which some of you may have heard of, but it's a fabulous read. Highly recommend it. And it, it's an autobiography of the founder of Nike, Phil Knight, over the first 10 to 12 years of his journey around starting that business. And one of the reasons I really loved this book, and to some degree it really inspired the theme for the last intensive, was he's just really good at kind of explaining how he lived on pretty much a knife's edge for the first decade or so of starting his business. And probably more than any else that I've seen explained uh, without using the exact terminology the the real concept of velocity of money. Now I certainly probably couldn't and wouldn't uh, live my life or invest from the same kind of perspective as he does uh, or did. He certainly um, pushes to the limit and uh, places everything on red at the, at the casino whereas uh, I don't think uh, too many of us would subscribe to that. But it just started me thinking around this concept of velocity of money. And it's something that I think intuitively most investors think they understand. Uh, If you ask someone the question, what is the velocity of money? What does it mean to you? People seem to have a, a pretty broad understanding of it. But what I really wanted to kind of spend time on today is really saying, you know, what exactly is the velocity of money in the context of investing? Why does it matter? Um, Because it it, it seriously has a huge impact. And what does it mean to you? So as I said, I think a lot of people believe they understand what the velocity of money means. But I also witness in the hundreds of investors that I've spoken to that while most investors do think they understand it, they give it virtually no consideration. And one of the things I know to be true is that many asset classes have virtually no velocity at all, almost zero velocity. So I kind of want to touch on that today. So if I were to really kind of explain to you what I think the problems are that a lot of people have with their investing is that, first of all, I think people don't have a lot of urgency. So people think they have a lot of time to, you know, build wealth in the future. We, we 
you know, explain it away saying that it is the long game. And the total focus for business owners is around how do we stockpile our money? How do we build our income? But we don't necessarily have the focus on converting it into wealth. Also, obviously, you know, and I've talked about this before, we outsource decision making. So traditional wisdom tells us that we should squirrel and save, put our money into managed funds and hand over decision-making control to somebody else. And we get sold on this idea that compound interest is what's going to get us to the finish line. And we believe that if you leave it to somebody else, that they will do the right thing with your money. And uh, some of us out there know that that is certainly uh, not necessarily true. I think that people accept that they won't actually achieve financial freedom, if at all, until they're 65 so in the meantime, I think people go, let's buckle up and hope that people who are playing with their money don't stuff it up for us. And I think really what most people are seriously concerned about is that, you know, they've got to put blind faith in the investments that they undertake and just hope that it'll get us to where we want to be, you know, when we want it. So in the meantime, we've got to have huge reliance on our income to keep the gravy train rolling in order to maintain our lifestyle. But I guess what I want to say is I think there's an opportunity that is out there for those of people who are really interested in it. I think, you know, it's really important that we don't lose sight of what the main prize is. The ultimate prize is time. You know, we go into business because we do see it as a more effective way to fast track freedom. But we forget that, you know, business is just the mechanism for building wealth. What we're really seeking and, the, and why business is the ultimate vehicle is it's the fast track to freedom. If we can bring some energy and cadence to the way that we look at our investing, then we can be more mindful about directing resources as we, as we build our wealth. At our age, like this whole concept of waiting till 65, I believe is really just a bit of a crock. You know, age should really be irrelevant when it comes to building financial freedom. We ultimately, we just want it as fast as possible and we want as little friction and risk as possible. And I think ultimately what, what is possible if we're aware is that we have the capacity to design our exit. You know, we want the ability to step off at any time we want and have enough to live the life we want. And I guess above all else, influence others as, as we choose. So the reason that I believe velocity of money is so, so important is that velocity of money drives the size of our wealth and the speed of our wealth. So I guess the first point I want to make today is that, you know, I see the concept of velocity of money as the money multiplier. So our bias towards or away from different investments is really what swings us into or out of investments. So, you know, the best example I can give is, you know, we've had a, a lot of people over the last five years get very, very excited and interested about things like crypto. Obviously, we've got lots of people who have biases to and away from things like property, shares. But most people aren't really thinking about the velocity of their money. They're just thinking about the kinds of returns they can get. So they're not thinking about velocity. And from an economic viewpoint, I think it's really important to remember that velocity is a reference to how many times a single dollar changes hands. And, you know, depending on which you know, economist you follow, there are a few different ways of measuring the velocity of money in an economy. But, you know, the theory is that when the velocity of money is high, 
the economy could be perceived as being healthy. It means that people are feeling good, that they're spending money, that $1 is changing hands many times. Obviously, when that gets too fast, too quick, then we go into, you know, scary territory of things like, you know, inflation. But in general, if you look at what's happened over the last 12 months, you know, governments all over the world have been trying to stimulate the economy to increase the velocity of money and get people spending. So, you know, to some degree, from an economic point of view, velocity and healthy economies go hand in hand. When when we talk about velocity of money in business, again, it's It's fairly straightforward to understand that, you know, when you think of a business that sells widgets or soup or whatever, that the goal of the shop isn't to buy widgets or soup. The the goal of the shop is to to buy them, sell them and restock again and repeat. And when you do that process over and over, that turnover is the velocity of money. And so the business owner knows they're not in the business of accumulating goods. The real business is creating velocity of money. And and so business owners understand that as well. But, you know, the, the reality is when it comes to creating velocity with our investing, all common sense around needing to turn our money over flies out the window, you know, and it's hard because institutions and uh, banks and things like that, they teach us to accumulate our money on their shelves. They want us to stack goods on their shelves. So they teach us, don't touch that money, we're in it for the long haul. They keep, you know, reverting back to, you know, the miracle of compound interest and that, you know, let us compound your money so that you can reach your nest egg by 65. And meanwhile, they go out and they do the complete opposite. They use our money, they apply velocity to our money and turn it over and over and over so that they can make exponentially more money. So if we think of what the banks do to us, they say, put your money with us. It's always there for you. You can withdraw it at any time. But you know, we all know that our money's not actually there. Only a small percentage is there. So we put our money in the bank. They turn around and they go to the government bank, the RBA or whoever, and they leverage our dollars to borrow more money. Then they take all of that, give it to us as borrowers, charge us interest and then go back to the central bank to borrow even more money. So they're creating this cycle of extremely high rates of return or margins. And so here's the important distinction to understand from a bank's perspective is their overall return is not dependent on the percentage they charge individual borrowers. It's on the number of times they can lend the same dollar. And unfortunately, as I said, they, they, they tell us one thing. They say, as savers, leave your money with us and allow it to compound or super or whatever, you know, managed fund. And then meanwhile, they go and do the exact opposite. They apply all this velocity. So I guess the the takeaway that I'd encourage you to consider is it's really important to think like a bank. How can you create a similar process of velocity in your own finances? So obviously I'm not talking about the borrowing and lending that banks do, but how do you create movement of your money? How do you get multiple uses of your own money? Um, Because it's moving the money around and using it in as many different ways as we can that creates benefits and, and inherently reduces our exposure to loss. So how do we lose money? We lose it through stagnation or inflation and and market fluctuations. So, you know, stagnation is really that reference to money being stuck. 
you know, not moving. A pretty good example of this, if I'm just going to be really frank, is actually our retirement accounts. So what happens is we put money into our retirement accounts and by virtue of the way that these things are constructed, they just limit our freedom to move our money around. And so what happens is that money becomes vulnerable to financial predators such as management fees, um, losses in the financial markets and inflation. And all of these large funds, they market the idea of the nest egg. In fact, I laugh, but some of these guys actually use it as a logo. And so they get our money, they get to use it to create more money and they don't give it back for like decades into the future. And supposedly at some point in the future, an investor will know that, you know, they have enough to live on for the rest of their life. And you know, the problem is for the average Joe citizen of Australia or New Zealand is you cannot move that money into something that will produce income until retirement, which actually seems really stupid to me. So the retiree has got to do something at that point that they've never done before, which is turn a block of money into an income stream or the alternative, which is, you know, what I keep saying is really the most dangerous way of thinking is they've just got to eat the cow, meaning they've sort of got to take their, you know, their nest egg and go, well, this is how many years I think I'm going to be around for. And therefore, this is how much money I should spend each year, which goes full circle back to my other episodes that I've talked about, which is, you know, we're not getting wealthier generation by generation, because we continue to believe that the goal of our lives financially is to build a nest egg and then eat it. Quite frankly, I think that's a really backward way of viewing the goal of investing, which again reminds me that net worth is really not the aim of the game. The aim of the game is how do I build a portfolio of investments that generates more income than I need to live off? And I think one of the best examples of this is if, uh, and I've heard this story told many different ways, but if you look at someone like Bill Gates, it doesn't matter how hard he tries to spend his money. It doesn't matter how much of his money he gives away. The velocity of his money is so great. It has so much momentum that he just can't actually give it all away. It's just impossible. So I think that's a really good metaphor and an example of someone who has used the velocity of money to such a degree that even if they keep trying to give their money away, they just can't spend it fast enough. And this kind of really leads me to um, another concept that I want to talk about, which is that I want to make a pretty, I guess, contrarian declaration that in my observation, high income earners actually use less velocity. So here's the thing. I think if you have a high income, society assumes that that will automatically lead you to being wealthy. And the more people I speak to or I observe, I, I'm seeing that this is not necessarily true. I think if you are a business owner that has the gift of a high income, the gift is actually your ability to convert that income into wealth sooner. The problem is that when you have a high income, it's often easy to behave as if you've got all the time in the world. And often high income leads us to feel that we've earned the right to a more luxurious lifestyle. And so what happens is, you know, this idea of building wealth gets pushed down the road, or to be frank, it becomes something that you do half-assed. You know, you, you outsource decision-making to others. You, you tell yourself you don't have the bandwidth or the headspace to address it yourself. And, and I understand that. I do. I, I really feel for those people people because you know you've only got so many hours in the day and I will be honest finding good deal flow finding a grade investing opportunities 
takes time. I guess the other point that I would like to really emphasize is that some of you may have heard me talk about the wealth health quotient, which is a simple formula that really describes for your age and for your household income, how effective have you been at converting that into wealth? And please, if, you, uh, if you're if you interested in that, go and have a look at a past podcast where I cover that. But Effectively, what I really want to emphasize is that the level of your income doesn't necessarily affect whether or not you can employ the concept of velocity. So a low income earner can still apply high velocity and still hit their goals fast. So please don't be discouraged if you feel that maybe you haven't got enough, you know, or you haven't got as much income as you would like. And certainly the game of investing is about finding the investment mix that is going to get you to your goals fast, effectively, safely, and with as little friction as possible. So if you are struggling to find effective investments in the pond that you are fishing in now, maybe it's time to just start to be more innovative, start to look for opportunities in other areas. And certainly for me, the foray into the world of alternative was really, you know, a a life-changing discovery from the viewpoint of, you know, impact and certainly from the space of velocity because the world of alternative for me is I get my money back and I can recycle it over and over. And, you know, I just, I guess where I want to conclude this podcast is, you know, for me, I'm categorically saying to people that the velocity of money is the ninth world wonder. And really, you know, jokingly, that comes off the back of Albert Einstein, who's reputed to have said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it and he who doesn't pays it. And uh, if compound interest is in fact the eighth wonder of the world, then velocity of money for me is definitely the ninth. And, you know, what what I did at my mastermind last weekend was really just unpack how do you apply it, how do you measure it, and how do you actually mindfully engage in velocity in a way that allows you to speed up the impact of your results. And I'll just conclude with a, a quote from Robert Kiyosaki, who I think definitely grasps this concept, who said, I'm less concerned about the amount of money I have and more concerned with the velocity of my money. So guys, just on a, on a final note or a final word, people talk about health and our, our human bodies in the context of move it or lose it. In other words, if you don't stay mobile, if you don't move your body, if you don't care for your body, then you know it's gonna, it's gonna run down and, and deteriorate and break. And similarly, we need to think about our money as move it or lose it. So money must move into new places in order to survive and grow. And this is the velocity of money. Thanks so much for listening to the Alternative Investing Podcast. If you're a business owner feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head over to freedomwarrior.com.au to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. Till next time, take care. See you on the next episode and bye for now. Thank you.